Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Redbeard Radio. I am your co-host, Alana Dickman. I'm a partner at Redbeard Ventures. And then we have Drew Austin, the co-host. He is the founding partner of Redbeard. This is episode number six. If you guys have been enjoying it, make sure to like, subscribe, comment. We are here to answer any questions that you have and really jump in. But today is a special episode because really, it's just going to be me and Drew talking, telling you all about Redbeard Ventures, talking a little bit about how we got started, the differences between a syndicate and a fund, what we're looking at, what we're excited about in the ecosystem, and really just diving into everything we're doing. So Drew, how's your week going? Welcome back to Redbeard Radio. There we go. Let's go. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, I've been really enjoying just like doing this show every week because I, I, you know, I use it as an opportunity also to really think of, you know, we're always so busy. There's so many things happening. Um, you know, there's so much activity. We have a, we're, we've taken a very entrepreneurial approach to, to venture, to investing. The fact that we have a syndicate, we have a fund, we've recently launched our tokenomics accelerator. So we're very hands-on right now with five companies doing the accelerator program. So we're very busy. We're constantly meeting with businesses. Um, it's nice to just like take a step back and think about the categories, take a step back and dive into the sectors, speak to experts, not specifically specific to an investment per se, but just to a category and topic that we're curious about or that we're interested in. So using this like podcast as an opportunity to do that has been great. And I'm, I'm really enjoying the discussions and excited today to just talk really more. You know, today, I, I, I hope we really kind of dig into, you know, our world of investing um, and really how that translates to our audience and the community that we've built with Redbeard and how um, they can take advantage of these investment opportunities, learn more about these exciting sectors, learn more about these technologies. And, you know, a lot of the, the people that are part of our syndicate, I think we're about 4,000, almost 4,000, 3,800 people or so, um, you know, they're executives, they're, they're operators, they're founders, they're investors. So it's, you know, we look at this as both education from an investment opportunity perspective. Maybe you're looking at, you're finding out about partners, you're finding out about vendors, um, you know, job opportunities, et cetera. So there's just so much to be, to dig into. And that's what I, I hope this, this platform is built for. Yeah. And I'm super excited today because I think we're just diving into everything we're doing, but every week we are having on guests. And I feel like the reason why we even started this is because weekly we were having an internal discussion about things that were exciting to us and coming in with topics. And now we're like, okay, wait. So now we're doing this to actually bring on guests, learn from them, and then share it with you guys. So super excited to dive in today. And what we actually did this week was we created a PowerPoint deck. It will be brief. We'll go in and out of it, really just to share with you guys what we have going on at Redbeard Ventures, our ecosystem, our companies that we've actually invested in, and then things we're looking at. So Drew, if you're ready, I'm happy to just dive in and touch a little bit on an overview of Redbeard Ventures. Let's do it. Let's talk. Let's, let's dig in. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and share this. And I'll start off where basically at Redbeard, under the umbrella of Redbeard Ventures, we have four different things going on. We have the fund, the Redbeard Ventures fund one. We have our syndicate, which is how we first got started. We do a lot of co-syndicates through Redbeard Ventures syndicate as well. Then we also have the accelerator. So really quickly, I want to just touch on the difference for people who don't know between a syndicate and a fund. So we start off as a syndicate and the difference is it's a deal by deal basis. So basically think of it as like an email subscription and you go in and you subscribe to different syndicates. We use the platform AngelList and you could invest with the minimum amount of $1,000 and grow your AngelList portfolio. Unlike a fund where a fund is, hey, you give us money, we take carry and management fees and we invest for you. And then we send LP updates quarterly about what we invested in. But with a syndicate, you could invest on a deal-by-deal basis. So that's how we first got started. And also something super exciting is that our syndicate is a generalist syndicate, could do any stage, any sector, whereas our fund is Web3 crypto-focused pre-seed and seed. And so that's the syndicate and the fund. And then co-syndicates, we work with partners through the AngelList platforms. Uh, just to work with them on bringing in deal flow. So if they have any exciting deals, we'll syndicate it out to RLPs and then we'll just go in through one check together. And then the last but not least, we also have the accelerator through Redbeard Ventures, 
which we selected five companies. We're doing a tokenomics accelerator in partnership with Horizon Lab Ventures, who did the tokenomics for Yuga Lab, through Sandbox. And we're really just working from the ground up and helping them build and really work with them on creating utility for their token and really just help with fundraising, help with networking, and help them from the ground up. So, Drew, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, yeah, no. So the way the way I've always thought about it. So again, like 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 Alana said, so we started as a syndicate, and for me, I started the syndicate about three years ago. It was right after I sold my. Um, I was working on a software company doing an, you know AI recruitment process automation. We sold that business. I knew I wanted to get into venture. I knew that I wanted to get more exposure to Web three and blockchain and some of the interesting technology businesses that I was following, and um, the syndicate was a perfect way to get started. And uh, I, you know, what, what's really interesting about it is it's become this kind of like this network, this ecosystem, this community, um, because we've done, you know, the way we treat it, we treat it like a fund, you know, we treat it like a, it's, these are our portfolio companies. These are companies we're investors in. We're here to help and support these businesses. Um, we bring, we bring, a, uh, we bring commu LP communities to these, to, uh, to the deals. And um, we bring these deals <coughs> to a large audience of accredited investors. So there's a lot of of benefits there the way I see it um, from a, just kind of breaking it down quickly the way I talk about it with founders you know in the early days back you know when, when we were first starting about three years ago 2021 the market was in a massive bull run so like there was a lot more it was a lot easier for me to be predictable around hey I know that this deal will perform this will raise about you know 250,000 or half a million or a million and I could predict that I can know roughly the time it'll take um, the checks were much bigger in 2021 um, there was a lot more, it was a lot more volume um, because it was a bull market, you know, overall, mm -hmm. it was very frothy. Um, so, you know, we were able to kind of almost act as a VC fund because we were able to move quickly and be um, predictive in our size of checks. As the, the, the market turned and, you know, investors become less liquid and they're a little bit tighter, um, we've, you know, we've really seen that we have to be even that much more particular about, um, you know, understanding how long it'll take and making sure that we build, that we set expectations with founders that, hey, this is a different market now. It might take longer for us to get to raise a round for your business. Because remember, when it comes to a syndicate, you're raising funding each deal. Every deal is its own fundraise, its own process, its own communication. So, um, you know, there's definitely been nuanced differences in terms of the beginning days and the days today. I think that what we've always gravitated to, and I think we've built a really strong brand around, I think it's probably why we've grown so quickly. And, you know, we've went to from zero, you know, people in 2021 to now 4,000 LPs as part of our syndicate almost, um, is we really are, we've really leaned in on um, frontier technology, um, disruptive ideas, uh, really innovative concepts, brands. I mean, my background as an entrepreneur, I've always been, I've always gravitated towards cutting edge. Uh, you know, when I remember Twitter launching and I was working on a social media and digital marketing agency. When, you know, Google Glass came out, I was already building a, a Google Glass and wearable device company backed by UPS and Siemens. You know, six years ago or seven, eight years ago now, we were working on AI, chatbots, recruitment process automation, things that no one was really working on. Um, and then obviously now with crypto and, and Web3 being at the frontier of that. So, you know, understanding the 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 waves around new technologies, um, thinking about I've always been really attracted to how new technologies enable new types of user experiences, new products, new applications, uh, new ecosystems and network effects, et cetera. So that's always been really exciting to me. And we've used that to kind of and that's, that's kind of been a reflection um, of our strategies on the syndicate side. Um, the one other thing I would also say is there's there's also nuanced um, uh, investment strategies that are different from syndicates to funds. Um, on a fund, you know, every investment that we look at now, we all, you, you know, you know, we know in venture capital, um, for, especially in fund economics, you know, th it's a home run game. It's a grand slam game, if you will. You know, you're looking for that that company that's going to hit you know, a hundred to a thousand X and return the fund multiple times over. And there will be zeros in your fund. There will be, um, you know, one or two X's. You know, I think uh, someone I was I was reading about recently said they, they their fund, uh, a good fund, a successful fund construction, 50% went to zero, 
30% were, you know, one about one or two X, but then they were about 20% of the companies that were somewhere between a 10 and a hundred X and returned a very successful fund. So it just shows that you can, you know, you're even with lower batting averages, you can still perform very, very well. Um, but you're really looking for big home run swings. And that's what we do when we look at the, on the fund side, we're trying to get into the earliest stage, take a, as big of an ownership stake as we possibly can in that earliest stage. Um, and, you know, and, and, and diversify our investments across the sector and uh, and look for companies with big visions, attacking big markets with huge opportunities, uh, very ambitious teams. Now on the syndicate side, we of course are looking for those same types of things, but you can take, we can take different types of um, investment strategies. We can invest in a later stage deal that may only return, uh, has a, has a, that we underwrite it to have a three to five X profile. And that would be wonderful for people that are putting in 10K, 5K, 50K, 100K into a deal, they're thrilled to see a three to five X in a shorter period of time because it's a later stage investment. Um, so we're you know, on the syndicate side, we're looking, we're looking for, um, we're, we're looking across multiple different sectors. We've built out a venture partner network to enable us to, to have, uh, to really have inroads across various different um, uh, industries and sectors that we feel like that are, that kind of like are related to our frontier tech thesis um, and like disruptive or innovative ideas or disruptive or innovative brands. Uh, and that's what, when people come to our syndicate, that's what they're going to expect. Um, they expect to see, they expect to find out about new ideas, big ideas, ambitious ideas, moonshot opportunities. And I think that's, it's a, it's exciting that we've been able to, you know, deliver that in a, in a, in a consistent way now for almost three years. So that's, uh, that's been awesome. Yeah. And it's crazy too, because we've really grown from the start where it was zero LPs to now 3,700, close to 3,800 now. And doing this exercise the last few days where I looked at our whole entire investment thesis and everything we've invested in through syndicates and co-syndicates and seen everything that we've done. So I want to go back to the slide deck for a second oh. and really jump into all the sectors that we've done. Because we've, if you look at this right now, like we have a huge portfolio. We have over 200 investments out of the syndicate, another 25 out of the fund. And we've really focused on a lot of these sectors while looking at it. So I want to jump into some of our investments and what we've looked at and really shown how we've grown into a huge ecosystem. So don't know if we want to touch on this particularly. Um, or just for, for those listening, I'm just going to read them out because I know not everyone watches. Some people listen on the podcast, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I'll, we'll make sure to like talk it all through. You know, some of the sectors we focused on, and again, it varies and it evolves. But, you know, we've done a, a variety of deals in the robotics space. Um, Alana, if you could pull that back up, that would be super helpful. You don't know <laughs> by heart. <laughs> you know, robotics, space, um, the space industry. Biotech, we've been very, uh, we've been really interested in, and uh, continue to look into that sector as well. Creator tools, we think the creator economy is very exciting. Obviously, AI is becoming pervasive across, you know, multiple sectors, but as in general, it's something that we're really digging into. Um, as you saw in our, I think it was our first or second episode, um, sports is a is a category that we've been really excited about, and innovative ideas, innovative leagues, innovative teams. Um, and, and innovative, uh, you know, concepts around live entertainment and sports industry. Uh, we've done a variety of investments on, and it's personally something that I, 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 I love because I'm a sports fan in general. Um, security, AR, VR. We think I think AR, VR. You know, I was I was in I was involved in the AR, VR industry. I remember I was a mentor at Accelerator and uh, a VR Accelerator in 2013 because I was very involved in wearable technology and Google Glass and and, and VR applications, etc. Um, and what I think do you that think about Apple? Apple's new headset that's coming very, out. Very excited about it. I think that, you know, I've been waiting for it for a decade, I think. Uh, you know, it's been it's been something I've been hoping would be a big driver of this industry. I also wouldn't sleep on Facebook. I think the meta Facebook with their glasses, the Ray-Bans they just came out with that have AI built in. I think that, you know, with, the, with their work with the Oculus and now Apple coming out with their with their device, I'm super bullish on AR and VR. And I'd love to, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more, I think, in a, in a bit. But um, I've, I personally am more of a VR guy than an AR guy. I think that VR, I think like, adding or amplifying your surroundings with AR is super, super interesting, but VR is like literally like transporting to a new place. Um, and to me, that is the, it, it is one of the most powerful technologies I've ever experienced personally. Um, and I'm just, I just, I'm really excited to continue to see that evolve, but I do think that AR and VR, um, you know, one of my investment theses around that is also that I think it's going to contribute to the future of work because the hybrid workplace is kind of a mess right now. And the idea of like, 
enabling a more effective and uh, effective hybrid workplace environment. Um, to me, the AR, VR um, type of devices and technologies are the, the closest thing that I see to being able to solve for part of your team in office, part of your team remote, you know, the, the kind of, I'm just hoping we're not on Zoom every day and can have more personal immersive um, meetings, et cetera. So, you know, AR, VR, I think is really fascinating. Uh, climate and health tech, another really interesting industry for us that we've done a, a variety of deals on we'll go into and then FinTech. So yeah, let's, uh, let's just jump in. We'll go scroll through some of these, yeah. uh, some of these categories and what we've invested in so far. And um, so, yeah, this is a, the, you know, robotics. Um, I'm a big, I've always been a big believer in the robotics sector. I think anything around automation, innovation, um, and uh, applications that are that have real-world use cases, and you could show very clear, quantifiable um, improvements and efficiency gains through using robotics. To me, these are very, very um, fascinating applications. So, you know, some of them I'll just mention quickly. Like we've done. Uh, a variety of different, like we did a, a robot, you know, robotic uh, house cleaning. We've done um, a, a automated tire changing system with Robo Tire, um, which was super, super interesting. Can basically replace all four tires in about ten minutes um, using robotic arms um, and AI and computer vision. Um, we've done, uh, you know, drone fleet monitoring. We uh, autonomous truck technology that does that does um, that does actual like remote that does uh, cleaning of streets, parking lots, garages, etc. That you can now do without human intervention, off hours, twenty four seven. So you know things like you know these types of opportunities can see a very clear, quantifiable. Um, and measurable efficiency gain. Uh, these are types of deals that we've come across and and continue to look for and continue to speak to speak, uh, speak to businesses around. Lana, I'm you know, curious your yeah. thoughts on Maria. No, I just want to add two more because you actually didn't mention the two that really excite me because one of them was when I first started with you at Red Bear, but New Peak, which is automating harvesting. And it's really going out because first off, this is a really intensive labor industry. Then it's going out, it's checking with strawberries that are actually harvested and ready to be picked. So it's super interesting that one. And then also hyper robotics is creating fully autonomous fast food restaurants. And actually was in New York and saw one similar where nobody's working there. You really go in, you use an iPad, but uh, hyper robotics is actually the background of cooking it, making sure it has the amount of time, bringing it out to you. And like, nobody's in the restaurant. So I think it's super exciting industry. And I just think we're going to continue to see more labor intensive industries get taken over by robots. And I don't know if you saw Twitter recently. I don't know if it was our portfolio company Maybot or another one, but it really was going into a bathroom and it cleaned the whole entire bathroom. And it's like, who wants to do that job? Like nobody does. And it's like, it really did the whole entire thing. And it was the coolest video to watch. And you're just going to see this, I think, in so many other industries. Yeah, I think that like, you know, it's again, I think that we, in a, in a world where, you know, some people immediately are going to think, oh, robotics, AI, these are things that are going to take away jobs. Um, you know, obviously, like, I think in every technological revolution, um, jobs are replaced, but then new jobs are added. So there's a little bit of that. But also, like, these are, you know, these are these are taking away jobs that are often dangerous, um, very taxing, physical, ta physically taxing, laborious, and they're not, and they're, and they're jobs that people don't really want to do. Um, and the other component of it, the, the other side of where automation and robotics take place is that these are, when, when these technologies are adopted and really um, the gains are realized, the, the benefits actually translate to consumers because then you're seeing the cost uh, that, that the costs and the inputs on the, the consumer product down the line uh, reduced substantial, often substantially with greater output and lower input you can really drastically reduce the cost to um, consumers. So, you know, those are the types of things that I want to see down the road and, and kind of and, and make sure that they're translating to as we start to invest more and more in this ecosystem. Yeah, I just want to add, like, I still think we're a little early. I was in Seattle the other week and I went to a coffee shop and it was fully automated. It was a robot creating it. It took two minutes for a coffee to be done to pour the iced coffee into a cup and then add in milk. And we were sitting there and it was really entertaining and it was fun. But I mean, somebody at Starbucks could have a coffee way quicker. So I still think this industry is early. I still think like it really was creating like um, mochi and it was like 
uh, person, please add emoji. And so like, I think we're still early and I think we still have a full way to go, but I think it's an exciting space. And I do think there are going to be more jobs created, even though more of these mundane tasks will be taken away. Yeah. And one other thing to add to that, I think the advancements in AI, I think are that we've just seen recently over the past, you know, call it 12 to 24 months. Um, they are going to play a huge role in the advancements of these robotic um, robotic applications. So again, I think that we are going to see in the next five to 10 years, I think we will see a far, um, a far more rapid um, and high performing uh, advancements in these sectors uh, than I'd say the last 20 to 50 years combined. So I'm very excited about the, the near term, a more near term future uh, for the robotics uh, sector than, than I've seen in the past. Yep. All right, let's go to the next one, creator tools. So when we're looking at this, we have such a broad range of creator tools that we've invested in. Some people might know Fireside Chat. It was started with Mark Cuban and Fallon, who is really an interactive streaming platform. We have Pop2 that helps really um, brands create their own like fast food chains. We've invested in that out of the RBV syndicate and fun. We have Bunch, which allows you to do social gaming and really see the individual that you're streaming with and play games together and talk. So we have such a broad range and I don't think they're going away, but something that I want to touch on a little bit outside of this, but we've talked about this from at least a Web3 crypto perspective. Like I think in creator tools, we think a lot about decentralized social. So what do you think about that in terms of some of our investments that we've done? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of these, uh, you know, I think are new ways for, you know, you know, we're living in an influencer economy. Influencers mm -hmm. are more of a have a, like, you know, it's not like in the past years and years ago where, you know, there was one media network that can communicate to everybody and was pretty much where we consumed all information and news and content. Nowadays, any voice you want to listen to basically has one. Um, any perspective you want, you want can have, uh, you can find. Um, so with influencers now having a direct channel and having often bigger audiences than even the, the media networks or the celebrities of the past, these influencers have that much of a reach because of social platforms. Um, the tools, the infrastructure to continue to develop the relationships, to develop monetization strategies, are you know really important and they're going to only continue to become more and more in demand and more important as like influencers become a job a job field for many people um but i believe and this is something we we haven't really nailed yet and we we, we talk a lot about it in terms of uh, as an investor as an investment thesis and an area to target i'm looking for um you know like the idea of decentralization to enter into the the social and creator tool economy even more. We've done a few deals in the space, but like I think that the idea of owning your followers is really important. I mm -hmm. think the fact that you can lose that you can't really like monetize uh, or fully monetize your your audience, your followers in the way that you want because you know Twitter says or says you can do this or do that. Instagram says you can only do this or that. Um, so like you know what I I'm really looking for is. Uh, a, I think new we're always. Good. I think all influencers are looking for new monetization opportunities, which and, and new ways to to reach their audiences with new products. Which is what really appealed to me about PopChew is that PopChew was a really innovative way for influencers to leverage their influence, engage their consumers, engage their audiences through food, which I hadn't seen before. I think really really fascinating. Um, but you know, the idea that you can then take your, you know, the followers that you took from TikTok and bring them here, or the followers from your news, you know, your Facebook and bring them there. I think that's a really important piece to this whole puzzle. So as we see more of that, I think like, you know, everything is so fragmented and siloed. I'd like to see more interoperability across social platforms um, and, and more, uh, you know, really more ways that you can um, kind of add value as a, as a creator um, but, um, and, and, and continue to grow your reach and, and not have to almost like repeat the same thing over and over again, cross platform. So I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, I definitely think it's something that we're looking at in web three, but also outside of it as well. Yeah. And we were actually talking about this when I was on a panel yesterday about the fact that like, uh, when you subscribe to Substack, then you want to move over to Beehive, two of the top like newsletter platforms, you mm -hmm. own your subscribers. You could easily take them off of one platform and put it on another all through their emails. You could export it and import it. 
and all of them make it really easy. But for some reason, in terms of your followers on Twitter versus your followers on Instagram, and now we have TikTok, there's no way to bring your followers cross-platform. What we are seeing other like decentralized social like come up, you're seeing friend tech, which obviously Drew can't get logged into his. So anybody who actually has this token, you're doomed. <laughs> you should probably sell it. <laughs> yeah. But like, there's no easy way to own your followers. And it's honestly aggravating because I do think more social platforms are going to like arise and you're going to go have to go try again to get your followers on that platform and on another one. And it's all time provoking. It, and I think there has to be an easy way where if you're spending this time to grow your followers, you should own your followers. And I just think that it would, it would also make for far more if we were able to carry over audiences, what we would find very quickly is that we would have a lot more niche social experiences, um, new user, inter new social interactions, new social capabilities, new tools, because you won't have as much of that barrier of, hey, there's no reason for me to be here. So, you know, it's just something to think about. Yep, definitely. All right, next one, which everybody has probably been waiting for is AI. Uh, I was actually just talking about this. I want to throw it over to you for this. Like, what do you think about open versus closed source in terms of AI and the companies that you're looking at? Um, well, I think that the that the the thesis of the industry right now, or the the foundation of the industry right now, because of open AI, has been very um, open source. And I I think open source is always is great for every sector, especially things that are moving quickly. Um, I think that a lot of the business and investment opportunity is going to happen in more closed uh, closed garden um, situations where your proprietary data. Um, is, is enabling new new user experiences, new models, new capabilities, new training sets, et cetera. Um, so I think that's something that I, I think about is like, where is the barrier to entry? Where is the, the proprietary special sauce? I think so far, I think as an early stage investor, I think that AI has been more challenging to like identify really strong opportunities. And then I think then I think an outside an outsider would uh, assume. You know, you think you hear, you know, we know that AI is disrupting businesses and industries left and right. Um, we know it's probably the most powerful technology we've seen easily since the iPhone was it was introduced. Um, you know, if I was if I was to look at what's happening and where a lot of the opportunity is, it's happening really at larger, more established businesses um, because of open source AI. Um, people are able to, businesses are able to incorporate this technology, benefit from the advancements um, and introduce it to and create more new efficiencies, new user experiences to a, to a customer base that's already there. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, that enables you to immediately realize the benefits. So, you know, it's, it's much more difficult for a new company to introduce a new user experience or a new AI powered product um, and compete with larger companies that can just add it on as a feature. So I think that's what we're seeing a little bit of. I think that we're going to see a lot more. I mean, I think we're just, just scratching the surface. I mean, it's, it's like I was talking to some, a buddy of mine yesterday and he was over, we were watching the giant game and uh, you know, he's a yeah. <laughs> I got killed. Um, it's just, I don't, want, I don't want to go admit that I'm watching them right now. Um, but, you know, it was interesting because he's a jewelry designer. And I was talking to him about, like, we got onto the subject of AI. And he was talking to me about, like, a men's jewelry bracelet that he was designing right now. Um, and I was like, you know, let me see if I can design it. And he's like, what are you talking about? And in 30 seconds, I showed him four designs of potential men's bracelets, and it blew his mind. Blew his mind. So, like, he was, and I showed, I used Midjourney, I used some chat GPT, I came up with a name for it, I gave a description of it. He was like, what in the world? And I think like, you know, it's right now still almost a party trick. Like people still don't fully, people are not, like the, the, the early adopters are obviously embracing it and using it like they always do. But this is going to touch every single person in the world in a variety of different ways. And I think the uses are just getting started. Um, the, the, new, the new ways that content is, is going to be generated, games being created, movies, TV shows, books, music. I mean, content is going to be completely disrupted in this regard. And, and not disrupted, but innovated. And um, you know, my one of my big theses when it comes to AI also is that it's another one that connects back to the blockchain is that we're going to want to see provenance. I think as 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 deep fakes are generated, as um, you know, new as content's manufactured, as new um, avatars are designed. And you know, I think that people are going to want to know what's real, what's fake, who originally created something, what goes into some a piece of content, what tools were used. So I think the things that are, you know, if there is an immutable record 
of, of, of the provenance and the origination of a piece of content, to me, that's going to be uh, a critical piece of the internet. I think that's going to be like when you look at when people right click, when I used to, you know, I work with developers and when I work with developers and they like, they look and they, you know, they right click and they see all the code or on a given website and they can see what's going on. I think people are going to be able, are going to be doing that with a piece of content when it comes to, um, you know, the, the, like the creation process of it. So that's also another, you know, a lot of these sectors and why I love, you know, listen, we are, we are fund is blockchain focused, but like, I love the I, I love the ability with the syndicate to be able to be more uh, generalist because I think there's so much overlap and the ability to look at a sector and understand it um, to be able to have some familiarity with the the creator economy or um, or, or robotics um, you know to go to go back to the robotics sector you know we're investing in a blockchain company through the fund that does machine to machine payments and machine to machine communication and like to understand the opportunity there and to see like how you know how would one robot speak to another or how would one robot pay another for doing services transactions or work like these are there's so much intersection and overlap between these sectors and industries that you know the ability to be a, a sometimes a generalist really helps you to see the industry and see even the sector that you focus on um, from various new perspectives and I think it's really important. Yeah, and I think another one super interesting is like the portfolio company that we're investing in right now, like Brightvine. Like it's utilizing AI to go through mortgage data, clean the post closed data, like, and then it's actually encrypting it on the blockchain. So I think it's not just something we're seeing a lot of companies, at least right now in the pipeline that are just building on top of ChatGPT or throwing in something that's really just using ChatGPT technology. But I think these companies are actually utilizing AI from the start, but then also like, obviously we're Web3 crypto focused and using the blockchain to encrypt the data and really create something new and disrupt the industries is gonna be super exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so AI, we've done a ton of different deals. Um, I know we talked a lot about ours. Uh, we just had Oasis on the podcast recently and they are really allowing you to talk and translate. So you could talk to different individuals and utilizing AI to translate, uh, what you're saying in your different connections. We have CSATs that's doing autonomous surface vehicles. Um, any others that you want to touch on or? No, yeah, I mean, like you know, we've we've seen it for security. Um, obviously, we're doing some, you know, there's a there's a couple deals in the security space that we've seen AI translate to, and um, you know, we've seen it with gaming. Uh, Cryptoys is thinking about how to incorporate AI right now. Alethea.ai is introducing AI to NFTs and making them more interactive. I uh, I'm also I'm intrigued to see how toys improve over time. I think like I have two kids and like. Obviously, like even when I talk to Cryptoys, because, um, you know, we have a, a co-syndicate investment with Cryptoys and, um, you know, I'm a friend of Will's, the founder, and we talk about how AI can make these these digital toys more interactive. I just think kids have, there's a world of opportunity for kids to be able to engage and interact with um, their, their, their digital or physical and traditional toys in, in really unique and new ways. Um, so that's really interesting. I think companionship, the idea of companionship is going to be, um, uh, become, uh, an opportunity for AI to really come in and to be able to, um, you know, there's like, there's been like a long, uh, I think there was a, there was a bunch of studies on how, like, especially since the pandemic that like loneliness has become like an epidemic, um, mm -hmm. I think that, uh, AI, um, could play a big role in being able to alleviate some of that. Um, so because of the fact that you can really have some back and forth interactions, like, you know, with ChatGPT, for example, I, I use ChatGPT as the best brainstorming partner on a daily, on, almost on a regular basis. If I'm like thinking through a concept or need to do some creative discovery or think of an idea or, you know, whatever that might be, I use ChatGPT as like a, as a, as, as my, like, like, it's almost like a new whiteboard for me, but the one that talks back. So, um, yeah, when I, I don't answer, you go chat GBT. You're like, Hey, my partner's not answering. Um, could you please answer chat GBT? Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. And yeah, I actually saw it a lot with senior citizens too, that they're actually, there were some studies done with senior citizens to actually feel that companionship and be able to work together. But I think this goes hand in hand with our next sector that we're touching on that we already talked a little bit on, but AR, VR, you talked about um, working on Zoom and I 100% agree with that one. I looked actually at a couple companies that were doing this in the space because I do feel like we're all gonna get Zoom fatigue, especially us, like we're remote, you're in Connecticut, I'm in LA, we're sitting, Friday we sat in on four hour Zoom call, like it's exhausting. And I think it's really hard to 
Like there has to be some way to feel more interactive, to feel like we're together, to feel like we could whiteboard, to feel like it's not just sitting on Zoom, looking at each other, talking back and forth, but really feel like we're working together in one space. So I think that's a super exciting one. I don't know if we didn't yeah. invest in them, but one that was interesting was so work. And it's kind of like you go around, they gamified working together and you go around, you could sit at a table and if you sat at the table next to me, suddenly our videos would pop up. And then they also made it so you could play games together. So let's just say you want to break from work and you just want to like take five minutes and play a game. You could go in, go talk to them, think about like Pokemon, go up to them, talk to them. And then you're like, let's play a game. And I think something like that, where you don't just feel like you're in a Zoom, just sitting there being like, why do I have my camera on? Why are we just like looking at each other? But really having that interactive standpoint is going to be huge. So. Yeah, I don't think we've scratched the surface here. Um, personally, I might be, and I'm also a little biased because we were so early 10 years ago. I was really early in this space. I was looking at companies and I was looking, at, I was close with investors that were doing a lot of investing in VR and AR. And the reality was, it was just really, really early. And I, and I felt that at a meaningful level. Like it felt, you know, you have to understand that like crypto has a lot of money in it. There is a lot of money floating around the crypto and Web3 industry. So because of that, you know, even though we are early, there are a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of there's a lot of capital and there's a lot of revenue generating product potential. So like, you know, I don't feel as early when it comes to Web3. I know that the tech is early, the products are early, the experience is early, but there is a real meaningful financial industry and capital being invested into Web3 on a daily basis, which really enables opportunities for businesses to be successful. Um, the the When it comes to Today, I actually think we're finally, and it's like part of me wants to see what happens with Apple, with Apple's mm -hmm. uh, device. Um, but I do think that no matter like what, I think we are now getting to a place where it is becoming an opportune time to start thinking about where am I going to be, how am I going to invest and drive this 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 new technology forward. That's often how I think is like because we're investing in new sectors and new technologies that need not only like support, they need they need not only capital but support adoption, marketing, mm -hmm. ocean, partnerships, vendors, all these things. So, you know, as an investor that has 200 portfolio companies, a lot of what we do all day is facilitating relationships amongst the portfolio. Uh, I can't, even, I mean, God, I mean, how many partnerships have we created? Must be 40, 50, 60 of them between our uh, portfolio companies alone. Um, but, you know, the, when it comes to this VR and AR, I think that it is now a time to really start looking at this. Um, I still think we are, um, you know, we're still a ways away from some of the 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 the, the world that we all picture, which is at least our many of us picture, which is like that that Ready Player One metaverse, virtual reality metaverse like where we can really um, kind of like live a second life in an immersive digital world. I believe that's the future. I have no doubt. It. Like to me, it's it's almost inevitable. Um, I, it just mean it's just going to be like what's the path to get there is what we have to think about. And then we also you know you have to think about in that path to get there, what are going to be some of the, the the technologies that are going to enable it? And how does that, what do those investment opportunities look like? You know, we constantly need to look at when we think things are budding as new industries, we also have to think about the tangential ones and think about where are those. And that's where like, again, AI and world creation, like Blockade Labs comes into play. Um, so, you know, and, and the ability to accelerate the development of these virtual worlds. So, I, I, a, I think we're really with between the advancements in AI and content creation and world creation and world building, um, the advancements in the hardware devices, the 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 need to feel closer to people um, or, or a more immersive uh, uh, relationship because we spend so much time in Zoom, the 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 push towards remote work that's happened since the pandemic, all the factors are leading to. Um, a really powerful movement in the VR and AR space. I think we're going to learn a lot from the first Apple device. Do I think that's going to be the end all be all? Absolutely not. I think that if Apple's moving into VR, they're moving into it um, for the long run. And I think that that's a really important piece. And, um, you know, listen, Facebook realized very early on, I know they didn't come out of the gate strong, like as strong as everyone wanted. But if you saw that demo recently, where I think he was interviewed, Mark Zuckerberg was interviewed for a podcast in VR and they had lifelike avatars, they were, I mean, that was mind blowing. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no doubt in my mind for the amount of meetings that we take all day, I'd be very happy to be able to like, have a more human-like experience, even if I'm sitting at home and someone else is around the other side of the country. So 
I, I think it's an area where we haven't done a ton of deals. I think our syndicate hasn't seen a ton of action yet for VRAR. I think over the next 12 to 24 months, we will see a lot more. Yeah, and I think it's still early. And when you think back to how many years ago when the way to get in contact with people was you had to actually go ahead and send a letter. And then we got cell phones. And it's like, okay, then you call people. And now we have FaceTime. And nobody could even think back to a time before FaceTime where you could just easily call people, see what they're doing, see where they're at. I mean, I lived in Australia away from my family and my friends, my fiance for 10 months, didn't see them. And I was able to feel like I was still a part of it by using FaceTime. And I think this next generation of the internet is going to be really this AR, VR, more interactive, more feeling like you're really close to individuals. So we've done a couple investments, obviously, in this space. We've done ones that help with creating the metaverse and obviously ones that help with VR meditations. You could actually meditate called Trip. We've done a merge, which is trying to bring touch to VR. So we've done a lot of different investments in this space, but I agree with you that I think it's still going to grow. And you mentioned my favorite book and movie, which is Ready Player One. And I think there is going to be a place where when you're gaming, you won't have this abundant amount, but there will be like, if you have, we talked about this last time, but if you had like a special character, you'd only be able to get a certain amount, but you'd be really competing against people. And I just think it's going to be this world that's going to be more interactive and feel like we're even closer than we already do feel on Zoom. So gonna bring it to the next one, which is fintech, which we've done a lot too. And we've also done a lot in the fund. This is a pretty broad sector that we've done. Um, one that we did recently was Belay, which is trying to create insurance using options for retail traders. We've done ACO, which is uh, device protection insurance. We've done AngelList itself, which is our platform we use for the syndicate and the fund. So we've done a lot of sectors and this is pretty a broad range, but I don't think fintech is going away anytime soon. And I just think we're going to continue to invest in this space. Yeah. I mean, we look, it's fintech or DeFi. I think we're very active across these areas. Um, you know, Alto IRA is another one or Alto is another one where I actually use, you know, like I use a lot of these platforms also, which is great. So like, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these opportunities are things that I like almost feel pains in for myself. So like device protection insurance, the ability to protect various different mobile devices or computers or laptops or uh, make that more seamless and understandable. Or, you know, the, I've always had trouble with understanding how option tradings works. So instead of having to think, think and deal with all of the options trading, being able to just add on a very like, you know, subscribe subscription oriented, hey, here's some a few bucks a month, I'll pay for insurance. So this stock that I buy can't go down more than 20%. And that's a very, it's a very, it's a much easier way for a consumer to be able to understand um, and make uh, investment decisions, uh, you know, as opposed to having to understand how complex options work. Uh, so that's, you know, that's also something I really get excited about. Um, you know, I, again, as I was saying, I use Alto IRA to invest in startups out of my IRA platform, how they're integrated with AngelList, which has been pretty exciting and easier for to make it easier for me to use. Um, so I think like, obviously with like, when, when, when it comes to FinTech, I look for disruptive and innovative ideas personally. That's what we, that's what I shoot for. I want to think of ideas that I think will, oh, wow, that's something that's going to change my day-to-day -day behavior. Um, you know, obviously you'll, you'll, we'll see a bunch of deals that we've done in the DeFi space that I think reflect a lot of that as well. But, um, yeah, listen, it's a, it's, it's definitely a very powerful industry and we're always looking to see, to find companies that are doing really unique things and bringing new, uh, new technologies and new ideas to the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. The next sector space, uh, one of my first angel investments, actually my first angel investment was SpaceX. Super exciting. We actually just co-syndicated this one out. Another one that we're just closing out right now is uh, Venus Aerospace doing hypersonic travel. So you could travel really from hopefully one day LA to Japan in a span of like one to three hours, which is super exciting to me. And the traveler in me really believes in this and the future of travel. I forget where I was, where I also just saw the hypersonic plane that was real. Do you remember where that's located? Uh, well, we just, I saw some of the team from the pickleball team doing uh, some new types of boat planes they were using. Did you see those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They showed us, which is crazy. That was, that was different, but not the hypersonic one. I, 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 don't, I, like, I think that there's a lot, uh, a lot of really interesting things happening in this area. I mean, like, First, you have to kind of understand when it comes to space. There, there. You, you know, at first you think about like, okay, well, what's the opportunity? Like, why are, why are we investing in this area? And I think like, to to talk about, it, there's a lot of different areas within space and business categories that need to be thought through. It's like there's like the satellite launch industry. 
know, satellite launches a huge, huge market, satellite, internet, TV, all of these different components. There's, you know, deep space exploration, you know, just understanding what's going on out there. Um, there's, you know, observation, there's asteroid mining, there's uh, debris cleaning um, from like, you know, from a lot of the different types of satellites that go to, that become, you know, satellites or um, that become like, uh, you know, kind of obsolete. There's, there's a huge research market, there's tourism that's coming. So there's a lot of really interesting sectors here that are, that are going, that are of businesses that are going to be big, big markets. Um, and, uh, and and show a lot of promise. And that's why as early stage investors, this becomes a really exciting area for us because the upside potential is obviously is, is very big. And a lot of what I've, what, I've, uh, what, what I've found as we've started to speak to companies here and built relationships within other investors that have strong networks in the space, space sector, um, a lot of those initial deals and initial funding comes from the government. So um, understanding government contracts um, and how those work in this space um, you know, no pun intended, is is also very important. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I personally, like, again, I, an area where I think that we haven't done enough in and also intrigues me and makes me think about I, I, the space sector makes me think a little bit about why we haven't done enough in um, in deep sea or like underwater or ocean exploration or ocean manufacturing. Like those are areas where I think I'd like to spend a little more time that I haven't done anything yet. Um, you know, I want, like, I guess, like, obviously the Titanic, um, the, uh, the, 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 what's it called? The submarine that went to the Titanic wasn't great for, um, the deep sea industry. I don't even think it was great for the space industry. I think it's going to affect the space industry in general, but again, they, they were an outlier. They were just, a, you know, it looked like it was a, you know, the explode, the, that, the, how unsuccessful that mission was, was, um, you know, I think a, an eye-opening experience to a lot of people, but also, you know, it also shows that you really need real capital investment um, and, and these types of, these are life and death types of um, industries. So you really have to put um, the best people involved, real capital and do things the right way, or you see um, situations arise like we did with the uh, the submarine going to the Titanic. But, uh, you know, listen, this is a, these are areas where there's huge upside opportunities, huge markets, huge industries, um, and uh, is it, definitely worth us being aware of and, 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 and um, having some uh, exposure to as investors. Yeah, I would think that this industry in particular would have a little bit longer of a time horizon, like given that they're going to space, they're building it from the ground up. This is definitely a newer sector that isn't yet completely formed. I'd say some of the companies that we're looking at particularly would take a little bit longer to see a liquidation event, um, if any, but. Um, okay, next one, biotech. We've done actually some super exciting deals in this space. Um, one in particular, like Tehran Biosciences, which is helping um, neurological and psychiatric illnesses using psychedelics. Um, Elysium helps with longevity science, and we all want to feel like we're a little bit younger. So we've, and a lot, uh, another one we did helping with mental health. So this is a super exciting industry. Uh, once again, I think this along with space takes a little bit longer to see those liquidation events. But I also like we're seeing a lot of progress on some of the investments that we made. And I'm super excited about this space and technology that's going to help cure some of the diseases that we have today. Yeah, uh, to me, like these are these are huge, huge opportunities here. Longevity as a sector in general, um, as like a category uh, is just like something that People are really, um, you know, people want to live for a long time. They want to live healthy for a long time. So, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of um, opportunity in like, you know, the anti-aging um, category that people start to see more like Elysium Health, for example, is one of them that that's really focusing on, you know, brain aging, cellular aging, uh, metabolism, you know, the, the aging of your, your metabolic system, um, immunity, all of that. So like they're working on, um, you know, the, the, they're like doing tons of research um, and now actually releasing products for these areas. I think that's a category that people are going to um you know, our, we're going to see a lot of opportunity from an investment perspective. And these are also those kind of like the return profiles of these types of deals is massive. So, you, you know, when these deals, when these types of deals hit, 
your um, you know, your 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 the returns are are very 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 strong. There's a lot of consolidation. There's a lot of opportunities for exits in pharma and you know in in, in big pharma companies especially. So there's a there's a, a really interesting market here. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of things. Uh, I, I personally love seeing stuff like there's a lot of research being done right now and using AI to to do applications around um, disease prevention or disease curing, cancer treatments. There's just so many really interesting technologies here. We have a great network of investors that are far are, are definitely far more are, are far closer to the 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 pulse of these spaces. But they're the kinds of people that we can tap into and really get caught up on or further diligence on deals that come across our desk um, because we're you know like we we're known as innovation uh, investors and frontier technology investors. You know these these types of businesses that are coming up with disruptive um, you know medical applications or you know new new types of technology that are you know re like. I mean, I'm, we're talking about a company right now that's kind of like, uh, you know, you're able to kind of edit genes and like, there's just some really interesting things. So, you know, we love, we love to like, hey, I love to learn about this space. I'm excited for us to do maybe a couple podcasts in this area as well, where we can do our shows and really dig in with some experts in these sectors, because these are just like really fun um, areas that we can learn about and dig into and, and, and share knowledge with our, with our audience. So. Uh, excited to get into to more depth here, but we've done some really powerful deals that that are you know that uh, I, I want to continue to bring those types of opportunities to our audience. Yeah. All right. The next sector that we focus a lot on that we've actually done a good amount of deals fairly recently, but sports. Drew, I know you obviously co-founder of Knights of DJ and you're really into the sports community. We've done fan controlled football where the fans could actually operate the league and bet. And I was supposed to go last year. Unfortunately, at COVID, uh, Wag Me United, the Crawley Town League, they're actually doing insanely well this year. Uh, we also are doing like National Thoroughbred League team-based horse racing, same with National Cycling League, where that's another team-based cycling. And then one of my favorites, because most people know who follow me on Twitter, I'm a huge pickleball fan, but we did the Texas Ranchers and we also invested in the MLP. So all super exciting deals and definitely some for opportunity. I just want to throw it over, like when you think about these leagues and investing in this space, like where do you see the exit opportunities for investors who are interested in investing in sports? Yeah, I mean, I think that the that there's a huge a, there's a huge demand for live entertainment, um, live sports, live entertainment. These streaming network, like the streaming networks, the TV networks. You know, they, like I, I personally cut the cord. Like, really, the only time I'm seeing commercials these days is when I watch sports. Other than that, I'm watching movies and shows on these streaming networks. So. There is a huge market and interest from streamers, from network television, um, from a variety of these, you know, the Amazons, the Netflixes, the Disneys, the, you know, these are all companies that need live entertainment and live sports. So um, for, to, to be able to satisfy their advertisers, to monetize against, these are, you know, these are, you know, you can even just see with like the WWE just being sold for what, $9 billion, what was it, $9 billion, I think it was. Um, you know, the people are already saying that AEW, which is an up and coming startup wrestling league that started a few years ago, is already being valued around one to $2 billion. Um, these sports industries have massive, I mean, we all know how, how valuable it is to own one of the big four professional sports teams, uh, big four sports leagues and their teams. So, um, you know, this is an area where we think there's a huge opportunity. Um, and the, you know, especially with the acceleration of sports betting. Uh, being legalized throughout the country, which drives more engagement, more adoption, more investment. There's new types of fantasy platforms, new types of games, new types of streaming networks. Um, all of this is adding to uh, making um, these new innovative sports leagues and teams become more and more valuable. I'm also a big believer in community-owned sports teams. <clears throat> I think the idea of having vested interest in a team in combination with fandom is a very powerful concept. I've seen it myself, <laughs> you know, as now an investor in the fan controlled football league, 
the um, you know in the Knights of Degen team there, where we were one of the owners and and very involved in the league, and we're also very involved in Crawley Town and working with the ownership group to think through um, you know to, to to kind of navigate the roller coaster of of that league. Um, you know, there's you know yeah you know the Packers being a uh, the Packers have been a fan owned team for quite some time, um, so uh, you know the, the model is not completely new, but I think we're going to see a lot more crowdfunded um, crowdfunding opportunities and eventually hopefully some decentralized or dow driven uh sports uh, uh team based ownership but for right now i'm very excited about you know national thoroughbred league introducing like the f1 concept to horse racing i think horse racing in general needs a reinvention and modernization and i think that's what uh, ntl is bringing to the to horse racing i'm very excited to be able to root for and be part of the ownership group of the the new jersey uh racing team i think they're be called the new jersey dgens and uh i'm really we're going to be actually having an event october 14th if you guys are in the area um we're going to be at the meadowlands racetrack for the second race of the of the first season of NTL, and would love to have you guys attend. Um, I'll actually offer if anyone wants to comment, we'll uh, we'll send you a message and give you a promo code and a discount code to attend the event. It's going to be a really fantastic experience over at the Meadowlands Racetrack, um, and we actually won our first race uh, in at the Kentucky Downs. Woo! Our team. So that was really cool. And then we were just most recently at like like uh, the Major League Pickleball, um, which is also, I mean, it's just they're growing leaps and bounds, um, being televised on ESPN2. They just formed a deal. They just structured a deal with um, the Tennis Network to distribute all PPA and MLP content. For those that don't know, the PPA is one one of the – there's, there's really two professional – Pickleball leagues, uh, PPA and MLP, those now have merged into one. So now they're not really competing. They're working together. Um, and the experience was phenomenal. The event, the production, the content, the coverage, the, the star power. It's just, it's a really fantastic sport. And it's one that people can relate to because they, it, it's a league that's very accessible and people can play, um, you know, old or young. So people really enjoy, um, you know, we're really, people really enjoy these opportunities. To, to get exposure to these leagues and teams. And I'm very excited to be able to, to give access and, and also be part owners with our friends and and to, to have, have a, a community of people that we can like text about and watch the games with and and go to games with and, and be fans of our own team. I think that's, you know, it's also part of my thesis around decentralization and distributed ownership, that ownership creates a very strong connection with the asset and enables you to become fans at a far more, far deeper level. And when you combine that with sports, it's a very powerful thing. Yep. And we actually jump into this in our episode two. So if anybody is interested in thinking about our thesis with sports, feel free to watch episode two. We actually brought on another investor. And then we also brought on uh, one of the co-founders of the Texas Ranchers MLP. So we talk a lot in that one too. Um, so two more sectors in terms of frontier tech. The next one is security. So here we've done ones from blockchain investigation tools to actually access fraud, We've done TOCA, which is digital forensics for government. We've done CodeLock, which is really just a control technology. So when you think about this, I think it's a lot of the technology behind security and what's going to be that next generation to help with fraud online. We've done AI-powered security system um, and a lot, especially, too, in the blockchain crypto space as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, I guess being so native to, to Web3, crypto is a, is a you know, in crypto NFTs, all that stuff, security is just a topic that becomes top of mind. And I don't think the, um, I don't think in Web three specifically, we're going to see mass adoption until we figure out how to introduce um, real security, real consumer protections, um, and uh, and you know these hacks are becoming almost commonplace mm -hmm. uh, in and out of Web three. So there's a huge business, a huge business opportunity, huge market for um, security tech. Um, it's an area where, um, you know, we're very excited about that. Also how AI is, is playing a role in, um, two of our investments most recently in the security space of both, um, are very AI driven in terms of their approach and applications. So, uh, very excited to see how those, how these, these innovative, um, security businesses that we are investing in, uh, how they can impact society, how they can impact these companies and ultimately show good returns for our investors. Mm -hmm. All right. Last but not least, uh, climate and health tech. This sector, I honestly have a personal interest in. I think we've done some really one specifically in the health tech space. We've done California Cultured, which is taking 
plant cells and actually creating chocolate, which is a super exciting one. That's an industry that really they have mine, they have a lot of children miners of cacao beans. And so this is one that's trying to create it using plant cells. We have Better Brand, which creates uh, a better for you bagels that are usually bagels are obviously carb heavy. They use like eggs and bananas to create a new type of bagel. Um, Sci-fi foods, which is cultivated meat. So super exciting ones. And also we obviously have the climate ones. Um, I know you were really into Colossal, Drew. So if you want to touch on that one, I think that was super exciting. I think Colossal is like right in my wheelhouse of like, I'm a, as a sci-fi, I almost consider myself often like a sci-fi investor. And Colossal is like, the way that they describe themselves is like, is uh, uh, um, they're bringing back the woolly mammoth. Um, and uh, to me, that is like such an interesting, um, it's such an interesting technology to like, and bioscience and genetics, so much interesting research. They are, they consider, they're known as the de-extinction company. Um, so they can really like de-extinct uh, animals. And often these animals play, play, played an important role in society, um, whether it's like in climate, um, whether it's in, um, you know, kind of the way that, like, for example, the woolly mammoths, like, played a very big role upon um, their role in, like, the tundra and being able to release uh, and to be able, you know, to walk the earth and 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 kind of and be able to uh, improve um, those areas and and being able to, um, you know, kind of provide specific function functions to these ecosystems and uh, you know through using various different like gene editing technologies and like rebuilding DNA uh, DNA models like they're able to bring some of these animals back. And I'm just like very excited about um, the technology, the research. Like I used to call this our Jurassic Park investment. Um, uh, you know, this is just, it's a, it's a really exciting uh, business that I'm, that I'm a passionate investor in. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for everything in terms of frontier tech. I know that we're going to have another episode where we really dive into all our sectors in Web3. We've done more sports. We've done creator tools, DeFi, NFTs, tokenomics. We've done blockchain infrastructure, game development. And I'm really excited about that. I guess before we close it out, Drew, is there anything you want people to know if they're interested in investing and getting involved with us if there's anything yeah. about your thesis that you want the listeners to know well, I, I just think that you know listen i started out as an angel investor first because i wanted to start to be able to um i wanted to learn about new technology i wanted to learn about um interesting industries and interesting businesses and i think that being being on angelist and seeing our syndicate but other syndicates as well first it gives you an opportunity to like see deal flow and to be able to build your own your own curation um, and your own like and start to train your own eye for opportunities that really excite you. Um, and I believe that like, you know, listen, it, like just like anyone else will say, you know, diverse diversifying your investments and diversifying your portfolio, having some of your capital into early stage venture and angel investments while you have some and some of your capital in crypto, some capital in stocks and bonds and 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 real estate, et cetera. Like, you know, I think that, you know, we there there it's a great opportunity to either whether you have the capital to be able to commit to a fund or you want to just kind of get some exposure to deal by deal on a deal by deal basis. I think like there is just so much to be able to get in. You know, you know, for me, most of my opportunities of investing in businesses happened in the stock market my whole life. And that means I got in after all the investors made their money. And like and like with the democratization now of um, and, and the, almost like the community level of investing through platforms like AngelList, we get the opportunity to invest in these companies and ride the and ride the journey with them and, and, and follow them throughout their through their history. Um, you know, these are obviously much riskier investments, but they're also um, they're they're also the kind of businesses that are going to push society forward. And I think that's what we, we 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 gravitate towards is these businesses that are going to transform society, advance society, um, and and enable us to live uh, a better quality of life. Um, and those are the kind of companies that we're looking for as investors. And those are the kind of companies that we're curating and sourcing and presenting. Um, and investing in alongside all of our LPs and our syndicate. So, you know, as Alana was saying, like, I think it's a great, you know, there's no fee or charge to subscribe to 
uh, an angel is syndicate. It's free to it's free to join. So you know if you're an accredited investor and you have the ability to join, um, I would absolutely recommend you know starting to to look at deal flow, analyze the decks, read the memos, like start to learn about these new technologies that are that are that are kind of uh, being introduced in our world. And then if you have and if you have the the liquidity and you have the uh, a budget that you want to set aside to invest in a wide range of of different types of startups to to be able to give yourself a portfolio. Um, you know, I, I've loved doing this. I've loved being a part of it. Um, I've loved, I've invested in other companies, um, in, in syndicates across other deals and in other, I've, I've crossed deals across other syndicates. And obviously we invest in every deal that we syndicate. So, um, it's been a, it's been a really fantastic, you know, last three years of, of investing in these startups. And I'm excited to continue to do this for the, you know, for hopefully the rest of my life, because I, I just love, I love, I love supporting innovation. I love watching innovation. I love being around thinkers and founders and builders and creators that that see a world that doesn't exist and decides they want to take it into their own hands and and build it. Um, you know, I've been a founder since I was 19 years old. I don't know any other way. So it, this this is just the type of stuff that attracts me personally. And um, I'm very happy to be able to support these businesses. And uh, and uh, it's really, and, and I'll tell you, it makes a great, great conversation amongst friends too. So, you know, getting access and getting updates on the investments that you that you make across these syndicates, it's just, it's a lot of fun to be able to to watch these companies evolve and go through their startup journeys from the earliest days. So, um, yeah, I, I just I totally recommend it. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a great uh, a great opportunity to get exposure to uh, a new asset class. Yeah, and I just want to add that that's how I first got started, just investing in different syndicates before I was in venture capital. I was following different syndicates, seeing the deal flow, learning about it, learning on this next generation of technology that's going to really change the world, and then investing in companies that excited me. So if you look below in the description, we shared out the link to our syndicate. Comment if you applied. Um, we'll look through, obviously, your application, accept you into the syndicates, and you can see our different deal flow. The minimum amount per almost every deal is $1,000 if you're a credited investor to be able to invest. And so guys, thanks so much for joining and listening to us. Make sure to like and subscribe. Also comment anything that you want us to cover in the next weeks. We're here to really teach you about our thesis, what we're doing at Redbeard Ventures, what we're looking at, what excites us. We have a portfolio of a over 200 companies, and we could bring on really industry experts to come in, dive in on specific topics, and really just like we want to learn with you guys and alongside you guys. And so definitely let us know. We appreciate you guys making the time and looking forward to next week. So thanks so much, guys, for joining and see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Always, always a pleasure to come on here and talk with everyone. Bye. This has been a Red Beard Ventures production.